Blog Talk Radio.
I'll be out of town, so, you know, it's just, it's been hectic, guys. So, some of the subtopics, we'll be defining humanity or humanness. Um, we'll define what's subhuman, what's inferior, non-human, and we're talking more along the lines of the political function of the God and spiritual concept here. Um, basically, um, you know, um, in regards to the African-American community and how religion has been set up, the narrative behind it, and, you know, taking it all the way back to, you know, talking a little bit about slavery, but not very much, but, you know, tying it all in. So we'll be talking about who goes into the category of subhuman, inferior, non-human, who are these people, and we'll talk a little bit more about the us versus them mentality. We did a show about that last year. And we'll also be talking about illusory superiority, um, the philosophical um you know, terminology behind that and, and what it pertains to. And we'll also talk about how religion justified slavery, how religion justified sexism, pedophilia, incest. Um, we'll define, you know, a lot of these examples and give some more insight to it. And a reference point for um, what I'm talking about here, you all may want to check out Michael Lackey's book, African American Atheist and Political Liberation, and it's a study of the sociocultural dynamics of faith. And basically, just check out Chapter 1 alone. And basically, it's talking about African American atheism, a cause for hope. And so it's basically talking about um, will African American atheists be the causation of liberation in the black community? Is this cause for hope? You know, us leaving religion, questioning and challenging the tenets of religion and coming out of that, you know, mentality, that victim mentality. So, you know, again, um, a couple of questions I'll throw out there to you. Is atheism an act of resistance to the political and power structures? Is the God concept the needed intellectual and political point of departure for grounding an oppressive sociopolitical system? And, again, guys, check that book out, and we will be talking about that a lot more in depth on the 8th. So I just wanted to kind of give you all um, a brief example of what we'll be talking about, the direction we'll be going in, the concept, the narrative of that particular show. Since I wasn't able to bring it last week or this week, I want to kind of give you a head start so you'll have a better understanding where I'm going with that particular subject matter. All right, guys. So next on the docket here. All right, we're still calling for abstracts, um, you know, 500 words less abstracts. For um, Women of Color, Beyond Faith, that anthology, um, Dr. Sakibu Hutchinson um, is, you know, and myself, we're putting together this anthology. We've extended the date. The deadline was September 30th. We've pushed it back to October 30th. And, you know, guys, go out there. I haven't had a chance to post it on Facebook or Twitter. And, you know, I'll try to get that out there this week sometime. But, you know, go and check it out. You can find the information on the Black Skeptics page on Free God Blog. So go over there, check it out. All of that information is there, and Dr. Hutchinson would love to hear from you. So, you know, we appreciate, you know, all of those who have submitted um, abstracts and that have expressed some interest. We're still looking for you. We've extended it by 30 days. So please, you know, get your information in, send in your emails for questions that you may have and somebody will contact you as soon as possible. So thank you so much for that, and we appreciate it. And, again, 
um, Black Skeptics Group, they're still taking donations for next year's scholarship program. So, you know, this year they gave away five scholarships. Um, we've posted the pictures. All of that information is out there. And the PayPal information for that is blackskeptics at gmail.com. Again, the PayPal information is blackskeptics at gmail.com. It is a 501c3 organization, so your donations are tax deductible. And, again, you've seen what your donations of the past have done. It provided scholarships for five deserving young people. It was a beautiful ceremony. They were outstanding young people, and they deserved the monies that they received. So, again, we want to keep that going. We want to make sure we keep it going. So the fundraising is still coming along, guys. Please donate. I mean, it doesn't matter. If you only have $5, donate that. If you have $20, donate that, you know, um, you know, it's needed. You know, we're helping people, and... You see the results, so it's not as though your money is going down a bottomless pit. You see what we're doing with that, and there are more programs, more, you know, projects on the horizon. Just stay tuned and, you know, very excited about what's coming, you know, the rest of the year and next year. You're going to be very surprised, very, very pleased. And so I, I know for sure that Dr. Hutchinson's and the Black Skeptics Group thanks you for, you know, all of your contribution, your support, and um, your encouragement. So with that there, we're going to move on. But, yeah, again, blackskeptics at gmail.com. That's the PayPal information. So, you know, please donate to that. Again, you see where your money is going. You see that they're definitely helping um, young people. So that's important. You know, if we're going to you know, transcend and transform in this community. It's important that, you know, we reach all people, but in particular, we need to learn how to reach out to the younger generations. And we have them coming on board. You know, I'm excited that we have MC Brooks, we have Vita, we have Mario, Emily, we have Raina, we have Alfred and Carl. These are all young people, you know, part of the Black Freethinkers family and we have different shows, guys. Go out and check out the archives. This week we were on hiatus. You know, I think everybody kind of needed a break, and it's back to school and, you know, people trying to get their families situated and take care of their personal business to kind of get things straightened out. So, guys, next week we'll be back on par. Thank you for bearing with us, and please pardon the, you know, hiatus, but, you know, we need a vacation every once in a while, too. But, you know, much, much love. I missed you guys last week. So I just wanted to make sure you all knew that. And on the 8th, again, I told you that we'll be talking about the politics of the God concept, and we'll be talking more about the political functions. The Sunday after that, which would be the 15th, we will be picking back up on our Bible series. So here we go again. We'll be talking about Exodus and paralleling that with black Christianity in America and how black Christians, you know, often view the Exodus as um, a story that's similar to what we've dealt with here in this country. Um, the week after that, which would be whatever day that is, we will be talking about body image policing, or the name of the show will be Shame, Shame, Shame. And we'll be talking about, you know, a variety of different things, not just body image policing, but policing of a lot of different varieties there. And so, since we're on the subject of policing, hmm, 
Well, I just wanted to say some of us weren't on vacation this past week. Some of us were protesting, so we didn't have, we didn't, you know, we couldn't do the show and protest. So yes. I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, yeah, before we go into the policing thing, Raina made it to the March on Washington 50th anniversary. I am so jealous, guys. I am so jealous. <laughs> I, I wanted to go. I wanted to go. I don't know why it was hot. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I'm glad I made it, too, but it was it was hot. It was so hot. I mean, I could have come up there this weekend, but I would have fell out in that sun, so I wouldn't have yeah, been able to go out there anyway. Yeah, yeah, I so. mean, it, it was really, really, really hot. But um, people were nice <laughs> despite the heat. I was actually surprised at how nice people were. Someone gave me a sign, you know, to help me keep the sun off me. So I was, I was, I was grateful for that. And people were loaning people umbrellas, and you know, there was water. They provided water out there, and there was, you know, like little apples and crackers for people, you know, um, so that they didn't, you know, die in that hot sun. <laughs> Um, so yeah. <laughs> it was really nice, and like I said, people were people were people were really nice to each other and really good to each other. Um, I had to cuss out one person <laughs> while I was there. Um, a guy. Uh, there was a um, for those of you that watched, there was a a, a woman um, whose name I escapes me right now, um, who was speaking about the legacy of Baird Rustin who, of course, was the primary organizer of the March on Washington. And, um, you know, of course, Mr. Rustin was, was a gay man and openly gay. Um, you know, he never, he, never, he never made any real attempts to hide his sexuality. And, um, and, people, and people more or less had to accept it in order to work with him because he was a genius at organizing. So... Um, so, you know, the woman was talking about this and she was talking about how we have to help our gay and lesbian brothers and sisters, many of whom are also black, we have to remember, um, black and brown. Right. Um, and, you know, so she was going through her speech, and unfortunately they had quite a few mic problems, um, probably not, you know, um, completely unattributable to heat, um, to the heat of the day. And, you know, electronics and heat, you know, sometimes things happen. So... um so this guy was like, that's right, that's right, the Lord cut the microphone off, or, you know, and, and saying Jesus cut the microphone off. He was like, yes, Jesus. And I, I turned around and I screamed, I screamed, big guts, you know, <laughs> because, and he was like, that's all right, we'll see when Jesus comes back. And I said, I said, I said, imaginary characters don't come back. That's right, and, um, that's right, and, and you know, I said it's not. I said it's not okay to hide your bigotry behind your religion, you know. And um, mm-hmm. you know, and I ended up walking away from the situation. Um, I didn't really stand there and shout him down too much. Frankly, it was too hot to stand over there, and I was seeking shade. So, <laughs> shade, <laughs> but, <laughs> shade, exactly. Um, I mean, I threw a little shade as I was seeking shade, but. Um, but yeah, it was it was interesting. Um, you know, I mean, obviously being there as an atheist is kind of interesting. Um, you know, because going to something like this years ago, I probably there are things I think that would have bothered me a lot less now. Um, but it, it does the the emphasis I think on on faith 
as the thing that gets us through and the thing that we need to rely on and looking to the hills from whence cometh our help, you know, is is rather irritating. But I have to say that, um, you know, on the heels of, you know, talking about the, the whole Dusty video and, you know, uh, these Uncle Tom house Negroes that are apparently, you know, you know, Christians and running around, you know, saying Jesus this and Jesus that. I didn't really see too many of those. Actually, I didn't see any of those. So I'm I'm probably going to ask Dusty, you know, if you can help me out. I posted some pictures on the (laughs) Black Panther's wall. And if you can point out some of those Uncle Tom house Negroes you were talking about, that would be really good, you know, because I'm missing something here. Um, But, you know, I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's the... It's like it, it, it's. One, I think one of the things that bothered me is just this idea that we're being inclusive whilst we're having, um, you know, obviously sectarian prayer. You right. know what I mean? Exactly. Like we're obviously having, um, you know, a, a prayer that um, you know calls on the name of Jesus and makes references right. to many things in the old and you know Old Testament and. You know, they kept talking about the Moses generation and the Joshua generation, and I'm like, exactly. where is this stuff coming from? Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, all that aside, I mean, I, we heard some very powerful speeches yesterday. Um, I think I was most impressed by Sean Johnson, and, I mean, who cannot, who, who in their right mind wouldn't be? I mean, he is, he is nine years old. That's right. And he is, and he is I mean, he's very, I mean, I mean, I don't say this as intelligent as though, you know, you wouldn't think that a nine-year-old would be intelligent. I mean, it's, it, he's, he's so good at expressing himself, you know, at that age. Whereas, whereas many, right, whereas, yeah. right, whereas most nine-year-olds are not as eloquent at that age. You know, um, right. he, 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 and, you know he, he puts it all out there. He tells you how he feels. Um, you know, just a brilliant you know, young man, and on his way to doing great things. Um, and, of That's course, right. you know, um, the keynote speaker, um, I think, um, you know, um, um, I can't even speak right now, but Reverend Al Sharpton was actually um, was actually really good. Only I had a couple of problems with some of the things he said. You know, he was Hello, Raina? Yes. Yeah, you had a muffled there. I can hear you now. Okay. Okay, sorry. It was, it was only a couple of things bothered me. Um, one thing was um, when he was talking about, you know, how they needed to pick up their pants. You know, the kids, these young kids need to pick up their pants or they would pick up their pants if they, somebody told them who they were. I, I kind of got bothered by that. Like, you know, it's, no, they might not still pick up their pants. Like, you know, they still might feel right. like this is what represents them. And, I mean, you know, I'm not a I'm not the biggest fan of sagging, particularly if one is sagging to the point where one's, you know, entire backside is hanging out. But <laughs> you know, if if that's what they want to do, so long as they're not being obscene with it, like there's really nothing that I can say. You know, but that's that responsibility politics, right? Yeah, and um, you know, and I and I remember someone else um seeing a delta that was nearby to me when the um the representative from the June Defenders 
um, came down and was talking about we're you know we're the thugs we're the we're the immigrants you know we're the and when she's when he says thugs she was like and on that note I'm leaving and I think she was I, I, from what I gather she was she was I mean she was upset obviously with the respectability politics you know around thugs and what have you but I think right. she was also sort of upset because there wasn't more other representation of other you know um, black Greek organizations you know you know like right. there were certain people who were. Uh, affiliated with certain organizations that they were members themselves, but not necessarily representing, you know, the Deltas or, or the AKAs or what have you. And so she felt some kind of way, I guess. Um, well, the Pan-Hellenic they... Council should have spoken up. The Pan-Hellenic Council could have contacted Al Sharpton, and I'm more than positive he would have been happy to um, allow the different Greek organizations to be represented. I don't think it was a slight or anything like that. Yeah, I guess I guess she felt it was a slight, and I was like, as many, I mean, they had they had a lot of organizations up there, and there are, I'm sure a lot more organizations that could have been represented. But I mean, they, the program was from eight until about eleven. Well, not a, well, it was a little longer than that, but you know, you get the point. Like they right. they had a pre-program, and then they had the actual program, which didn't start and kick like it was like a prayer service. Which thankfully right. I got, I caught the very tail end of because I'm not sure that I would have been able to sit there through all of that. But, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean everything else was good. Um, it looks like we have a caller, so maybe I'll bring them in. Hold on, eight oh four, you're on the line. Well, how y'all doing today? This is Deborah. Hey, Deborah, how hey, Deborah. are you, darling? What it is. Hey, I just want to say before Deborah speaks. I just want to say before uh-huh. Deborah speaks that I posted some pictures on the Black Freethinker wall, so you can see some some of the stuff that went ha- that happened. And I have a couple of mm-hmm. videos, but I'm going to see if I can cut those up before I post them. So excellent, excellent. Well, again, you know, it was you know going back to what you were saying when they were talking about the Moses generation and the Joshua generation, and just to kind of put that in context for people, basically there are quite a few people in the community, and, again, this goes back to what we'll be talking about in a few weeks, talking about Exodus and the black community. I'm kind of glad you brought that up because it ties in with that particular um, subject. But basically a lot of people felt as though, and they expressed this, especially when um, President Obama was first elected in 2008, they viewed Martin Luther King, if you will, as Moses, and some of them viewed Barack Obama as the Joshua. So that's where they're talking about the Moses generation and the Joshua generation, and they're trying to build a cor- um, a correlation between the two. So, you know, just to kind of give you all a little bit of input and show you the direction we'll be going in in a couple of weeks when I do that show. So it should be interesting. It should be interesting. But, yeah, but I'm glad that you had a good time, and I'm glad you told that bigot where to get off. And, um, you know, yeah, it would have been hard to be sitting out there in the middle of all of that because had it not been for, you know, Baird Rustin and A. Philip Randolph organizing and strategizing for the March on Washington. Now, mind you guys, you know, it wasn't just something that they came up with. It was because of the political climate in which, 
you know, they were living at that time. And that was not the first call for a march on Washington. It was going to be one earlier, but they were able to convince A. Philip Randolph to hold off. So this second time when he held the march on Washington, basically this was to hold the politicians' feet to the fire. And even then they were trying to convince um, A. Philip Randolph and Beard Rustin to not hold the march, but they went on with it anyway, and the president you know, basically came on board President Truman there. So, you know, guys, go do some research, you know, learn about the history, you know, the um, about the legacy, you know, the legacy of Baird Rustin, the legacy of A. Philip Randolph, and why they were so important and why Martin Luther King held them in his confidence so strong and so hard. There was a reasoning behind all of that. And, you know, they were the architects and, you know, wonderful men and their legacies, definitely deserve to be recognized and remembered because Bayard um, Rustin was basically factored out of history. You know, they tried to just write him out of history altogether. And, you know, part of that is because he was an openly gay black man. So, you know, if you go back and read some of the history on it, he was part of the King inner circle, Martin Luther King's inner circle. And then he went away for a little while, and then they brought him back. And there's some politics behind all of that as well. So, guys, go out and do some research on that. Yeah, why don't you should um, also take, check out a documentary called Brother Outsider. And that, that covers a lot of what Kim was talking about just now. Um, it actually also features a couple of interviews by, um, you know, with uh, uh, two of his former lovers, which is very interesting. Because uh-huh. I remember one part they were talking about how, Baird was in prison, and um, because he was gay, like, he couldn't, you know, and you couldn't really be openly gay at that time, he had to write his letters in code. So his his lover on the outside, he had to write to as though he were a woman. Exactly. So exactly. it was like, yeah, it was, it's, it's just so, it's just so sad um, to think that, you know, 50 years later there are people who are essentially having to do the same thing you know, refer to their, you know, their significant other in code or, you know, hide the fact that they love someone who happens to be born with the same genitals. Exactly, exactly. You have to hide the fact or they start talking in third person. I mean, you wouldn't believe. But, yeah, but I am so glad that our society is becoming, you know, more accepting. You know, because it's not so much, you know, I've used the word tolerant in the past, but I'm going to stop using that word. I'm going to say more accepting because who wants to be tolerated? You know, you right. want to be celebrated and appreciated, not necessarily tolerated. So, you know, right. you know, again, I'm growing along with you guys. I'm growing and I'm learning, and that's why we're encouraging you guys to do the same. You're never too old to learn. You're never too old to be corrected. You're never too old for anything. Do not allow anyone to put that fallacy in your head that you're too old to learn something new. That is untrue. You should strive to learn at least one something new every day. You know, it helps you to grow as an individual. And it's okay if you make mistakes. I haven't said this in a while, but, you know, I feel like saying it today, people make mistakes. And if you make mistakes, it's okay. Learn from it. Don't wallow in it. Learn from it and move on. Learn from it and move on. It's okay to make mistakes, you know. Now, you know, it's not okay to do harm, but, you know, 
um, you know, we all make mistakes, and we all should learn from um, those particular mistakes. And life goes on, right, Raina? Yep. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. So, you know, interesting that you were talking about, you know, the pictures there and looking for the Uncle Tom Black Christians. And, guys, you said that's in the archives. I think the name of the show was Uncle Tom, Uncle Remus, um, you know, um, Aunt Jemima, and a whole bunch of Uncle Ruckus and all of that stuff. Just go back and take a look. Um, it's in the archives. It was actually a really good show. We addressed um, the issue with Dusty and his YouTube video, you know, talking about black Christians, our Uncle Toms. We broke that down. Um, that was Raina, myself, and Annalise Fonza, you know, Dr. Fonza. And, you know, we broke it down. We had a little fun with that show. Um, we had one caller who was just, you know, the real-life epitome example of Flavor Flav. And so, you know, go back and, you know, check that show out. You know, I think it kind of caught us by surprise, but I didn't cut it off because I want you guys to see what we deal with. You know, we're dealing with this on the radio. Imagine what we're dealing with in person. And so I'm going to use that to segue into um, basically, you know, issue that has come up uh, most recently. A couple of weeks ago, we did a show called White on White Crime, and we addressed um, a number of issues. Um, we talked about the myth of black-on-black -black crime and the myth of white-on-white -white crime. There's really no such thing as black-on-black -black crime or white-on-white -white crime, and we explained why. And in that show, we talked about unintentional racism, um, unconscious bias, um, explicit bias, I'm sorry, implicit bias. And, you know, um, we talked about proximity hypothesis. We talked about a number of different things that would explain why that there's so much violence in certain neighborhoods and communities. It's not so much that people are picking on other folks because of the same skin color. It's because those are the people that are closest to them. The majority of crimes that are committed are committed by family members and people who are close to that family. They're committed by people that you know. No one, it's not too many people that are going to catch two trains and a bus to go and rob somebody in that neighborhood and then come back home. So they usually aim for what's convenient, what's close, and, you know, go back and listen to that show because, you know, we took two hours to go through some things, and, you know, it, we talked about a lot of things, and most of the conversation was general. We got specific about a few things. Two hours is not nearly enough time to get in depth with that, but we give you enough information to make you want to go out and do some research and investigate it on your own. It's more than enough information in that two-hour show. In that two hours, if you don't get it, it means you just didn't want to understand you just didn't want to understand, and, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, number one, the black community is not a monolith. You know, we have varying types of people, varying types of upbringing, you know, we're just, you know, it's, it's, it's like a cornucopia, if you will. We are not a monolith. And... I do not understand why there are some people, some 
white people in particular who feel as though it is our responsibility to go in and clean up a problem that, you know, not one individual can can fix. And then it's also a problem. But a problem. Oh, good. Good. Sorry. No, go ahead, Reno. I was saying also a problem that that we know from, you know, from our understanding of sociology is not something that we caused. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. They created. And that was getting ready to be a problem they created. Go ahead. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, and, and especially especially when they're asking you, an individual who they know has no, you know, no actual, you know, role in contributing to that sort of crime in the first place, I, I kind of find that, um, you know, upsetting. But, but, even, um, but even if we, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead honey. I was going to say, if we clean up ours, is they going to clean up theirs? Well, I mean, exactly because you know the point is some people keep on saying that it's more crime in the black community. I kind of disagree. I mean, they like they might be looking at certain places like Chicago and different places like that. But when you look at Sandy Hook, you look at different places like that. White people got a way of killing in multiple. Okay. Well, well and, and you're here. absolutely correct. When you look at the raw numbers, when you go back and, you know, we discussed that on the White on White Crime Show, guys. Go back and listen to that archive. When you look at the raw numbers, white people kill six times as many people as black people. Yeah. And I'm just yeah. talking raw numbers. So, I mean, that's a given. So that's why when that question was posed at the most inappropriate time, you know, in a situation that transpired, uh, most recently, my my response would have been, um, what are you doing to resolve white-on-white crime? And what is your nine-point plan that the white community has implemented? So maybe we can take that same plan and implement it in the black community. What are you doing regarding institutionalized racism? What are you doing regarding to... Um, to resolve, you know, the disparities in education, the disparities in economics, you know, just all the disparities that, you know, oppress, you know, people of color. So once she's able to answer that question, then I'll be able to tell you what we're going to do on black on black crime, and that would have set her down quite quickly because there are no answers for that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, another issue, obviously, is, is gun control, and that was an issue that was brought up you know, at the at the rally, you know, is um, we we need effective birth, uh, you know, sorry, gun control. We need to stand our ground on gun control and stand our ground on you know our rights and you know our civil rights and and what have you, you know. Um, right. And and gun control has to be a part of that because you know certain individuals should not have access to guns. I mean. You know, most of the time we have a, a conversation about criminals with guns. And it's funny that someone who has had sort of the violent past, you know, a past where he's been arrested for assaulting an officer, a past where he's been, um, you know, where he's had um, a restraining order for domestic violence, you know, that someone like right. that should be given a gun and then that they should get that gun back, Um you know, after, you know, being acquitted, you know, obviously, um, you know, it, it, uh, you know, by a, by a white, um, a mostly white jury, um, you know, after, right. a, you know, after a 
reluctant prosecutor, you know, you know, promoted two individuals to put this case up reluctant, who reluctantly tried it and did a bad right. job, you know? On purpose, as far as I'm concerned. And, yeah. you know, again, that goes back, you know, we've had people, you know, commenting about we talk about white supremacy, white privilege, and it's it's prevalent and it's very real. And, you know, mm-hmm. you know, again, Raina was talking earlier about um, that gentleman that was, you know, yelling out those bigoted, you know, comments, and she was basically telling him to stop hiding behind his religion. And we've talked about this on the show on several occasions. There are bigots in the atheist community hiding behind their ideology. They're hiding behind atheism. We've talked about this on several different occasions. Just because you've become a non-believer, an atheist, skeptic, free thinker, whatever the hell you call yourself, um, that does not mean that the bigotry, the racism, the sexism, the homophobia, you know, all the isms and phobias, that does not mean it goes away. When you become an atheist, you know, you're not washed white clean, you know, as, as snow. That's not how that works. You know, to me, that parallels the Jesus concept, if you will. You know, when you come to Jesus and you're washed in his blood, if you will, now you're white as snow, you're pure. And when I start looking at some atheists and they say, well, now I'm an atheist, I'm not like that anymore. That's not true. That's mm-hmm. not true. I'm trying to draw Absolutely. the parallels for you guys. And, you know, it's, it's just it's, it's unreal. So, I mean, if any of you all are laboring under the delusion that once you became an atheist, a free thinker, a skeptic, what have you, a humanist, that, you know, those little, uh, you know, idiosyncrasies that you had that they all went away, that is untrue. You have to Absolutely. unlearn that behavior. You have to unlearn that behavior. And it's we an active process. Yeah. Exactly. It's an active process. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, we have to I would... challenge you. Will you display those behaviors? Go ahead, honey. I was going to say I was disabused of those notions very early on (laughs) in this community (laughs) because I was, you know, I, I was under, I was, I was one of those people who thought that, you know, if you, if you're smart enough to, you know, to stop believing in imaginary characters, then certainly you're smart enough not to um, believe in, you know, that. You know the gays are are bad or evil or you know morally bankrupt. You know that you're um, that you're wise enough to see that you know racism and and you know various other forms of discriminate discriminatory ideologies are still present even without religion. But nope, 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 nope. Exactly. Still, you know you get these people who. You know who support you know sexism, who support homophobia, who support transphobia, who um, you know who who That's do right. all of these things. You know, and it's so freaky exactly. too. You know, it's really freaky because here you got people with degrees on top of degrees, and they yeah. still are lacking in in, in that respect. It's kind of weird. right. Yeah, you know, you know, but you know. Usually, the more educated you get, at least this is what I thought, and this is a misperception on my end, I always thought that the more educated you get, 
the more likely it would be for you to drop a lot of those biases. And I've been yeah. proven wrong on yeah. several different occasions, and that's why, you know, I've just come to the conclusion that you have to unlearn those behaviors. You have to be challenged. You have to be critiqued. You, you, someone has to point it out because in some cases it really is unintentional. You know, and sometimes people just don't know any better. But in many, on many occasions, the person knows exactly what they're doing. And, yeah. you know, in, in the one example that, you know. Yeah, um, but you know, oh, sorry, Kim. I was just going to say, just because someone doesn't, someone comes, okay, like say someone's been indoctrinated with something, just because right. they aren't aware that that is, you know, that that is a faux pas, or what have you, mm-hmm. does not mean in my book that they that, that gives them a complete pass. You know what oh, I mean? No, 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 Especially no, no. if that person, challenge. yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. That's why I say you have to challenge them and critique them. You have to stop them and tell them why that's wrong, why that's hurtful. And, you know, and even though, you know, um give you an example. You know, um, when I first went to college, you know, first, you know, week on a university campus, and we had some, you know, white kids, you know, also freshmen, that had never seen and interacted with a black person ever. So we would see them staring at us and following us around. And, you know, they would ask questions when we would stop and ask them, you know, what the issue was. And they would tell us the only black people they had ever seen was on television. And, you know, they asked one of my friends, a male friend, to say dynamite which kind of pissed us all off, right? And, um, you know, one was asking if it rubbed off, if the blackness rubbed off. And we had to sit there and talk to them. We didn't get angry at them. We didn't lash out at them. We didn't cuss them out. We talked to them, and we told them why Yeah, but I don't think that you're obligated to sit there and talk to somebody like that. I mean, just because they were obligated. It's just that if I'm going to be in class with that person... And you know that it just all it all boiled down to that was how I responded. Everybody responds yeah. differently, and so so you know I wasn't necessarily obligated to sit down and explain to them why you know it was hurtful. It's just that that's how I chose to respond to that situation, considering that many of us lived in the same dorms, we went to the same classes, we're going to eat in the same cafeteria. You know, there's no need to start out with hostility. And but what that was, was my. That? This was on yeah, a university um, campus. Where was it at? No, university campus, University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign. Oh, okay, uh-huh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I I was wondering whether it was down south. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, That's you all. know, yeah, yeah, the, the central, you know, central <laughs> east Illinois. And, okay. um, you know, we have a lot of corn, wheat, soybean fields here, so we have a lot of farm kids that have never interacted with, you know, people of color of any sort. So, you know, that's that's where that came from. <laughs> but what were you saying, Raina? So, yeah, no, that, you know, I wasn't obligated to say or explain anything to anybody. It's just that, you know, if you're going to spend four years with these people, you know. And sometimes they need a learner. I mean, it's, it's up to you how you how you handle this particular really? situation, but I'm just not of the mind that just simply be, that naive. You know, someone being naive is just 
um, an excuse for them to um, to have, you know, or or to continue believing certain things. If you want, I mean, especially in this day and age, we have the internet. You know what I mean? You can you can learn a lot of things just by doing a very basic Google search if you're interested in finding out right. what black people are really yeah. like or what black people really think exactly. or, you know, that we're sort of thing. So I'm not really of that mind. Yeah. I know you're talking about a different time. I'm just talking about yeah. now more than ever. Now I think that yeah, there is different. different. But it's, you know, it, and, and there's also di- oh, different ways of approaching it. Some people are, some people ask, questions that are clearly racist and they hide behind, you know, the idea that, oh, I'm just being naive or this is just a naive question, don't beat me up. But they're really just being, they're really just being racist. You know, yeah, exactly. So. No, and you're absolutely correct because you know, yeah, too yeah. many Google search will you know answer the majority of those questions, and you know, so again, what I was talking about, this was you know back in the eighties and nineties, you know, early nineties. So that was different. You know, things have changed. You know, they didn't have Google or um, public access to the internet back then. You had mm-hmm. to have special privileges to get to the internet back then. But um, so that was a different situation. Again, we were living with these people, so, you know, different situation. But, yeah, you're exactly right. There are some people that hide behind their ideologies. Some people hide behind the premise of I'm just trying to learn, you know, while spitting out, you know, um, Fox News questions, Bill O'Reilly and Rush Limbaugh talking points, and then try to act innocent. Right. And you know that's we're seeing a lot of that, especially in this community. Right. And um, you know, as of late, you know, you know, just a situation that you know, hopefully, you know, from this last situation, it will open up the dialogue even more um, to talk about the racism and the sexism in this community. I mean, we've done numerous shows talking about you know, these particular issues. And hopefully um, with this particular situation that, you know, some of the people affected have a better understanding as to what's really happening out here. I hope it, you know, um, pricked their consciousness, if you will. Mm -hmm. I hope they're a little bit more conscious of what's happening out here and, you know, in particular. another caller, Kim. Yeah, Um, give me a second here. Um, In particular, with this, you know, particular situation, I hope that the woman that asked the question that was completely out of context and inappropriate, you know, I I am hoping that she has been educated, you know, and someone has sat down to explain to her why what she said was inappropriate. Because from my understanding, when she when she first posed the question, that you know she prefaced it with maybe I shouldn't ask this question. Well, you already knew you shouldn't have asked that question. Yeah. But you did it well, anyway. let's let's put it, let's put it like this: if she was, if she has, if no one sat her down, uh, if no one sat her down afterwards, she already got a good education, from what I understood, because. From what I understood, she was <laughs> she she got she got a, a heavy dose of education, so much so that she cried. So 
Um, you know, and you know, I'm not saying I'm not saying that that's a great thing to do. I'm just saying like that um <laughs> that if she didn't learn after that, she's never gonna learn. <laughs> yeah, know? I think and she'll so, have several seats after that. She'll have yeah. several seats, you know, and um you know, that situation <laughs> you know, the firestorm that has erupted since then. Go ahead, pull the collar on. Okay, one moment. Um yeah, 360? So you go. 360? You're on? Hey, this is Travis. Good evening. Hey. Good hey, Travis. How are you? How y'all doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I'll tell you, you something crazy. I was doing a show in like a rural uh, Washington state um, town, and I had mm-hmm. to go do radio on Friday morning. And I had a Thursday night show. And on the Thursday night show, um, I gave them some, uh what I learned from the Zimmerman trial, and I was telling the radio station guys that before we did the radio show, and he said to me, well, how did that go over? Because Zimmerman is a hero around here. Wow. Yeah. And I thought to myself, well, that means that the Friday night show, I'm going to have to do more. (laughs) I'm going to have to get really with these folks. (laughs) And I hit them with one of the coldest lines. I said to them, I said, uh, I said, I noticed something. I noticed that most of the rich people are white, but not all of the white people are rich. And I figured there must be a special kind of mental pain you got to go through trying to figure out how you ended up being a poor white one. (laughs) I hit them with this one. And then I told them, I said, uh, look, I said, uh, one thing I learned from the Zimmerman trial is that uh, the whole thing about if you're black, you can't dress for the weather. you got to dress for the racism in the area. So I hit him with that. I right. hit him with um, I hit him with the one I said to them. I said, look, the Zimmerman trial wasn't even about race. It was really about privilege. Zimmerman got the treatment okay. better than a rich white guy because his father's a judge. And they didn't even know. They didn't know at all at the radio station. None of these people who are are on the Internet all the time, but they work right. at a radio station in a rural town, yeah. they did not know Zimmerman's father was a magistrate. They had no right. idea about that. It blew their exactly. mind. Yeah, white magistrate yeah. is that. Exactly. Right, and, and I said to know, them. Go ahead, Charles. Go ahead, I said to them, I said to them, I said, you have to understand, that shows how uninformed you are, okay? Yeah. That, and then I, I hit them with some really hard ones. I, I, those were just nothing they could get out of. I said, uh, if you got nasty things to say about a kid who you didn't know nothing about before he was killed, you're rotten. It just, and it blew, it blew, yeah. you know, they, they, I hit them with that one, and I said, uh, and uh, I said, you might be a bigot if I'm talking about Zimmerman and you bring up O.J., Right. Exactly. 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 And, you know, that's why we have to educate people. You know, we have to educate them on both sides of the equation. We have to educate white people, and we have to also educate people of color as well. And that gives them an understanding, you know, to what's happening and understand the pathology behind some of the mindsets because, you know, again, you know, dealing with some, you know, um, white people, they think of black people as the black problem or the black issue or the plague, if you will. And this is not all white people, so I just want to make sure that's understood. But, you know, again, it's like we're, we're 
you know, portrayed as the problem. And, you know, the media, you know, plays a big part of that. And, you know, so, I mean, I've had people question me and say, do I believe everything that the media puts out there? No, not necessarily. However, you know, in, in many cases, the media can be biased, you know, and that's why you have to go and investigate, you know, what's being said and what's being put out there. Mm-hmm. Yep, Kim, I told them, I told them, I said, uh, it's really, uh, it's not black versus white, it's poor versus rich. And I exactly. told them, I said, and I said, the main problem is, is that um, when people vote, they should vote uh, poor versus rich, but they don't. They vote poor versus rich and think they're going to be rich. Exactly. And so there's a good way to tell if you're going to be, there's a good way to tell if you're going to be rich or not. If you know what top ramen is, your ass ain't going to be rich. <laughs> I do like that. <laughs> and then I said, but, but you uh, know, but yeah. Yeah, not, it's the haves versus the have-nots. I've been saying that for a long time, and that's one of the reasons why I've always said that the prosperity gospel is very dangerous because they're selling that that false narrative, that false illusion of one day God is going to make you rich. Send me your money now, and God is going to make you rich. You're going to be a holy millionaire, if you will. And people fall into that illusion, both black and white, because you got white megachurches, too, up there in Colorado, Kenneth Copeland, they had an outbreak, a measles outbreak, because they were talking against immunizations, and then everybody started getting sick. Now they're sending everybody to go get their shots. But anyway, that's another thing. Uh-huh. Well, Kim, the prosperity sermon to me is has always uh, appeared like combining the worst parts of religion with Amway or some right. other multi-level exactly. marketing exactly. trick. Exactly. That's right. Give me some money now, and gotta give you some later. It's so mean to do to be. Yeah. To, to, it's so mean. It's just a trick. Oh yeah, but, but that it was, was positive. Positive. Go, ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, Devor. No, I was just getting ready to say when I. You know, you know, because I'm um, disabled. I started getting back in 2007, 2008. I started getting into the, uh, um, you know, doing marketing on on the internet and learning about that. One of the first places I wanted to go was to to, to email all the churches around here, right? Uh, you know, to help people that I knew, because most of the people are in church, and I wanted to tell them, I said, yeah, you know, we need to try this, you know. And they, they, I mean, I had about about ten churches to to email me back saying that was evil. Wow. That was weird. Yeah. Yeah. It was evil. And now, when you look at TV, well, two or three years after that, mm-hmm. now all they're talking about is money, you know, and doing this and doing that. I said, wait a minute, hold up. I, I thought God was supposed to tell you what was getting ready to come down, you know? I told yeah, you, right you there, I said, you, you got a God. You claim you got a God. He should have told you that things were going to get bad. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, right, right. You said, if you're the prophet or the prophetess, you know, it should have come to you in a dream or when you were burning your candles or yeah. however the hell you do that. Maybe so, no, right. Go call ahead. me evil. I say that email too. I say yeah, oh, you better, you better, you better. It's just, it's it's unreal. But I mean, anytime you come against, you know, what they're trying to teach and to sell, because they're salesmen. You understand? Mm-hmm. You all got to understand that they're salesmen, and they're selling you a product, and that product is hope and belief. 
That's yeah. what they're selling you, you know, and if you purchase it, that's on you. And and that's mm-hmm. that's the reason why, you know, God always has an out. If you didn't receive your blessing, if you're not rich right now, it's because you didn't have enough faith. So, you know, he always has an out. It's never God's fault. It's always your fault. So, you know, that's the reason why, you know, and I'm not bashing religion or anything like that, but I'm just trying to put that proper context so you all can understand how things spoke to you. So, you know, guys, it's, it's a trip, but, you know, with this last situation that, you know, we talked about, we're going to talk about it for a few more minutes and then I'm done with it. Um Basically, um, with that situation, um, going back to what we were talking about with white privilege, if you will, um, there was um, an observer, you know, that's how I describe them, um, someone that was at that particular location. And after the woman was corrected, and critiqued, if you will, this observer took it upon himself to um, basically chastise, you know, the person who, you know, corrected the woman. And, And see, this is the problem here. He put the ownership on the person who corrected her and took the ownership off the woman who asked the inappropriate and offensive question. You know, there was no balance in that particular situation, you know, uh, and and basically he painted the woman who asked the offensive question as being, you know, innocent, um, naive, and well-meaning, and wanting to learn. If she wanted to learn, you have Google. If she wanted to learn, she could have asked, you know, her black friend, her one black friend that she always talks about, Right. Why didn't she talk to them about that? Why was it necessary? Well, you know, why was it necessary to pose that particular question in an open forum? And when you pose questions like that in an open forum, you just never know what type of response you're going to get. But, you know, those of you who are in a public sphere and you go out and you speak or, you know, like Travis does his comedy, you're going to get heckled. We get heckled, guys. People call this show, they heckle us. When I go out to speak, I get heckled sometimes. It happens sometimes. You have to learn how to deal with the situation. And if you're not quick on your feet and you're not witty enough to respond to it, then you need a lot more practice. You need to educate mm-hmm. yourself a lot more, period. You know what? Um, mm-hmm. Thursday night. I said, any, anybody, any topic anybody want to talk about? And the guy yelled out religion. <laughs> and it surprised me. And I, mm-hmm. and I stood there for about 15 seconds not saying anything because I wanted to really think about where I wanted to jump in. And, right. I simply, I, and, I, and I simply jumped in at the point and I said, you know, uh, one day I was thinking to myself, I, I explained it, I, first I explained to him how, how much I uh, was brought up in religion and all of that. And then I said, one day I was sitting around by myself and I thought, you know, if God made everything and God made hell and the devil, I wouldn't want to be around somebody making hells and devils. They might make, you know, hell hell two and devil plus. You know, that just that thing. It just didn't make any sense to me anymore. And I never actually 
see, when I was religious, going to church all the time, I never thought about uh, being worried about going to hell or, or thought about the devil. I would do stuff like, yeah, I would pray for silly stuff, you know what I mean, and uh, right. goofy things. And I never was doing it, you know, keep the devil away from me. I never thought about it like that, like with that much superstition. So it never really took, you know, where I was hooked right. like that. But there are people who do. And I, I say to people, there is no devil or there is no hell, and it blows their mind. But I hit them last night with, I said, look, uh, without volcanoes, nobody would have ever had any idea about a, a, a fiery hell. Right. Right. Exactly, but then, but that that goes back to you know um, educating people and telling them to go back and again read the mythology, go back and read Dante's Inferno, you know Plato's Cave, go back and read all of that, and it would give them a better understanding where a lot of this you know comes from. Go read the allegory, all of that. So you know it's about educating people and encouraging them to go out and, you know, uh, educating themselves and educating others because the more you educate yourself, the more you talk about it, the, you know, the more ingrained it becomes into your, into your being, into yourself, into your mind, into your intellect, and you will be able to share that with others. And, you know, it, it's just it's satisfying to be able to answer a question. And it's also okay to say if you don't know something, refer them to someone else, or you go and research it and then get back to them. It's okay not to know something. So, you yeah, know. Um, the best thing to do yeah. is to read mm-hmm. the Ingersoll's lecture on hell. If you read that, you're done. Right from, right from that point on, you get it, okay? Mm-hmm. He breaks it down so cold, okay, that it, there's, mm-hmm. he just simply says, the idea of hell was born of revenge and brutality on one side and cowardice on the other. And he just, and he just keeps going deeper, and it's for about an hour, but you can uh, check it out. i put the link in the chat room. Excellent. Thank you very kindly. Yeah. Raina, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if you were there or not still. No, nah, I'm something still here. I... Oh, no. I'm just... Um... <laughs> I'm just, you know, reflecting on on recent events. Um, you know, we spent quite a bit of time on that, but I think there are some other things that have happened too. Um, I don't think that you got to. Did you talk about? Did you talk about Russell Simmons and that Harriet Tubman bullshit? Mm. No, mm. let's talk mm. about that. Yes, let's okay. talk about the Harriet Tubman, you know, and Russell Simmons, you know, debacle. Because I was done with that other, you know, conversation anyway. My last thought on that is that I find it quite interesting when the hunter becomes the game, and that's it. Anyway, Harriet Tubman and um, Russell, Russell Simmons. Simmons. Why don't you put it into context and just say that Harriet Tubman, first of all, is the greatest American. No one has the courage she had. She made 19 trips over 10 years. Can anyone on the phone say they got that kind of courage? Does anyone on the phone think no, they know somebody who has that kind of courage? Uh, I mean, I, did, I damn near stayed home yesterday from that heat. <laughs> but exactly. <laughs> 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 had love for the people that she rescued. She had mad love for the people that she went back and she went get back and freed them. And, you know, again, people, please, please, please go back 
and learn your history, you know, this will give you some insight into some of the old Negro spirituals. And, yeah, I know you all out of church, and you're not on that spiritual kick, but those spirituals had meaning behind it. And they're part and of our they culture. Had, like, like we can't was. just throw out certain parts of our culture just because they have, you know, roots in the church or in or in faith. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't listen to gospel music every day, but when I hear a good gospel song that's well arranged and sung by, you know, by some talented singers, I yeah. can't help but to, you know, but to, you know, listen and to be impressed. I may not be able to get with what they're talking about, but I can, right. I can listen to them hit all them high notes and, you know what yeah. I mean, do their thing, yeah. you know? Exactly. They want exactly. They want to say religion kept the slaves going, but it was the songs that kept them going. Mm-hmm. It was a lot you of know, things that kept them going, but but the, yeah. but yeah. I think that the main part point that most of us had problems with is that, you know, I mean, it, it you know as the 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 power dynamics in slavery would have never allowed for that situation that they were representing to ever be a reality. You know, exactly. there was no there was no situation in which a man had to hide that he was sleeping with his slaves. Not really. Exactly. He might have done it for the benefit of his wife. He might have done it to right. protect her feelings, but he was not obligated to do so because it wasn't illegal to do so. He couldn't rape his exactly. property. You know what and I mean? It was common and, practice. It was common practice. And his wife didn't have no power either to say right. that. Right. Exactly. Um, exactly. He might, like I said, he might have kept that. it quiet just to keep her, you know, si- you know, keep her okay, keep you know, keep her from being upset. Maybe. But he wasn't gonna, maybe. right? Maybe, maybe if he was nice about it. But really, he could have just, he could have just beat the crap out of her and been like, okay, I'll be back in a couple hours, going down to the slave quarters. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, and so, go ahead, Travis. On the show, we said on Funny to the Moon, we said uh, there's some. Uh, thing on NPR a while back where a lady said that Sally Hemming loved Thomas Jefferson. And then we said, like she had a choice. And we said, right. said there should be some... As we said, Sally never said yes. Please. Exactly. Well, even if she has exactly. said yes, what does it mean for her to say yes if she doesn't... Well, she if she's, not no. a, she's not right. autonomous. Exactly. exactly. So, exactly. you know, the, that's the point of the, the matter that, you know, Russell Simmons and these individuals who put this thing together don't seem to understand. First of all, you know, Harriet Tubman didn't wait for somebody to give her her freedom in the first place. You know what I mean? She took her freedom and she she took the freedom for a lot of other people. So she wasn't, she wasn't the type that would have, you know, done anything underhanded and and sort of sneaky like that anyway. You know what I mean? This, this, the other thing is, is that it's sort of, I mean, it bothers me on another level because you know there's the there's the prevailing stereotypes about women about black women being these sort of jezebels, you know what I mean who are you know they're we're so sexual you know that we can't be raped like we just we just we just want it all the time or that we use mm-hmm. it right you know to get so that what jezebel, we want. that sapphire yeah yeah jezebel yeah. sapphire I think we did a show talking about the different stereotypes yeah, we've done of that. black women and yeah, you know again. Yeah, you know, it's it's about going back because, you know, the it, it, that whole Russell Simmons thing, it really upset me because, again, you know, the value of a black woman was yet again sold down the river. 
And this woman, like I said, she went back. And, you know, number one, she took her freedom. Then number two, she went back to get others. And even with some of the people that were, you know, leaving with her and escaping with her, some of the ones that wanted to go back, she pulled a gun on, on them and made them continue with the journey because she couldn't afford for them to go back and rat her out. So, you know, she you if you started out, you were going to finish with her, you know, by death or by March, one or the other. So, um, you know, that, that's, that's how that goes there. But, you know, that woman, you know, took several different chances, and she went back and she got those people, and she made it every time. The under, Underground Railroad, guys, go back. Please educate yourself. Understand where this is coming from, but with that Russell Simmons thing and that half-hearted as apology he gave, you know, you know, I'm too done with Death Jam and Russell Simmons now. You know, putting him, you know, in the category of, you know, I'm giving him the side eye because, you know, that was uncalled for. But this is not the first time he's thrown black women under the bus. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not the first time, and it won't be the last time. But something, something that something that I read on. Um, you know, an article by um, a black woman that I that I agreed with. Like, okay, there are lots of there are lots of things that people can make you know can kind of insert humor into that would not mm-hmm. make it offensive. You know what I mean? Right. That would not disrespect mm-hmm. the memory of what we're what we're talking about. So, like, if he had like Harriet Tubman with an iPad, you know, and Google, and, you know, Google Earth or, or stars or whatever, right, Google Planets, you know, trying to, you know, trying to find her way on the Underground Railroad and Siri got her lost, that would be funny. You know what I mean? Right. Uh-huh. That would be uh-huh. funny. But, you know, having her, you know, trying to use her sexuality to get freedom, which is something that right. is completely uncharacteristic of a woman who led troops. You know exactly. what I mean? Yep. It, exactly. It's so disrespectful. It's so disrespectful. It's so disrespectful to someone who has more courage than you by far. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's, I mean, it is disrespectful to black women in general, thing. but certainly to her. I mean, because there was no slave woman that would have been able to, to do anything like that. That wasn't a possibility. We were unrapeable. Mm-hmm. We could not, even even after slavery, you couldn't even prosecute someone for raping us. Exactly. We just had to deal with shouldn't it. Shouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Shouldn't instead of saying unrapeable, shouldn't you say raped on the regular, even though they didn't call it? Well, that? yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> was, he was raped on the regular, but I'm, but I'm saying, but but I'm saying is that what what, what the point that I'm trying to make is that they they could they they felt that because we were so we were so animalistic that there was no crime being committed when we were taken by force. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. We have no right. right. There's no crime, right? Yeah, and it was all in the no right name of no God. Yeah. And it was all well, in the name. Not of God. all in the name of the God, but yeah, I mean, it was a, it was the name of a lot of things. But you, you know, know what I mean? They thought it was cool. Mean. Everything yeah. was Bible, you know, okay. Yeah, it was fine. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why right. it's like that today. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and you know, it's interesting because. Um, you know, yeah, when you were talking about unrapeable and, you know, to, even today, you know, in some cases when, you know, a black woman says that she's raped, in in some cases those claims are not taken seriously, right. you know, and, you know, it's just, it's unreal. You know, we're in 2013 mm. and we're still dealing with the same crap from, you know, 
two, three, four hundred years ago. And, and your life your life is still not precious. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's not. And that's the reason why, you know, we call certain things out on this show. And again, even in this skeptic, atheist, free thought community here, we have to call it out and we have to call it out now before it gets out of hand and we get too far and get too deep into this because, you know, uh, it's just easier to deal with it now. And I've drawn the parallels on several occasions between the atheist community and the church and where I see, you know, the congruency, where I see, you know, just the same bullshit. And if we don't call it out now, it's going to end up in the same situation, the same predicament. And and then what? You know, because, you know, I find it, you know. Go ahead. There was a speaker on the March on Washington yesterday. I watched all, I watched like four or five hours yesterday morning. And uh, one of them said, and I don't remember who it said, I don't have the phrase exactly right. They said, when you don't stand up to evil, you you uh you leave your children and your children's children victim to to tragedy or something or something like that. you know what i mean when you don't say blue right. right now it ain't it ain't it ain't it ain't what's happening to you it's mm-hmm. well if you can get away with that they're gonna do it to your kids and your kids' kids exactly and exactly. after was shot after Martin was shot, people didn't pick up the ball and run with it, okay they didn't. They didn't do it right, because if exactly. they did, we would not have okay. this school-to-prison pipeline. We would not have uh, now um, black girls being treated like um, like this awfulness on the exactly. regular in the school system. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't have that now, because it's exactly. like we thought that once the Civil Rights Act passed that we had won something and it was over, but it's, right. now it, it's like the empire strikes back. And they're trying to put a whip on us. What's happened is we've become, you know, content. We've become complacent. We've become, you know, um, basically complacent and complicit, you know, and a lot of, you know, different comfortable. And what has happened is, you're correct, you know, after the Civil Rights Act was passed, and even with the assassination of Martin Luther King, they should have kept on. We should have kept pushing it because, you know, Martin Luther King at that time, he was pushing the poor people's campaign. And they were going to mark for poor people of all races and ethnicities. So it was going to, you know, encompass, you know, a multicultural type of um, campaign there. And what's interesting now is, you know, the vanguard, if you will, the, the blacks that were part of the civil rights movement, Many of them ended up in politics, um, you know, academia, you know, a variety of different um, positions of power, if you will. And what I find interesting in a lot of cases, especially in local politics, when you come up against some of those people in that vanguard there, they're the ones that are fighting against some of the local activists to get changes done. So they're trying to keep to a certain degree the status quo because they've become comfortable. And now they have the power. And then you have people out here that is challenging, you know, the status quo. They're challenging, you know, um, some of the policies that are in place. And, you know, what's interesting now is that, you know, the powers that be, if you will, have put the vanguard there in power to, to be a buffer between them 
and the grassroots local activists. And I just find it interesting that some of our, you know, biggest opponents and biggest obstacles are people that came through the civil rights movement. And mm-hmm. in, in some cases, they're still stuck in the 50s and the 60s mm-hmm. and trying to change their mind and educate them on how things have changed. Sometimes it's just an exercise in futility. And I'm not saying that about all of them, but, you know, there's, there's a few of them there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was okay. I, I didn't oh, talk about this when I was... I was just gonna say I I didn't get to talk yeah I didn't get to talk about this before, but um, when I was talking about the march like I I was gonna you know say that I noticed a few things um, particularly in the crowd that like other than that guy that I had to cuss out um, you know people were most vocal about like the sort of labor stuff and the race Mm -hmm. stuff. I mean, they were a little bit more vocal about, or a little vocal about the um, immigration thing. Not so vocal about women's rights. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Not so vocal about, you know, um, you know, reproductive rights or or gay rights. You know, so um, we still have a lot of work to do, um, exactly. and and there still seems to be um, a problem in the movement of um, assuming that power or representation should be male. Um, I, you know, even in, um, you know, in the speech that was made by, you know, Al Sharpton, mm-hmm. which was a great speech for the most part, you know, he did mention that, you know, we need fathers to create families. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, no, we need we need people to create families. Family is what you make of it. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's not a father that makes a family. It's it's people who love each other and care for each other that make a family. There are there are families right now that consist only of two people. You know what yeah. I mean? There are families that consist, right? Exactly, and and so and so we have to continue fighting within the movement to dismantle some of these um, ideas, these antiquated ideas that remain. That you know, yeah, um, you know that remain in the movement that you know uh, hinder us. I believe. You know yeah. exactly. You know, and not only in the civil rights movement, but also even in this atheist skeptic community, because it's very male dominated, white male dominated at that. And you know, uh, you know, I just, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to come to terms with some things because I've been questioning some things on my end. You know, saying is it really worth it? You know, am I wasting my time, you know, mm-hmm. trying to get a better grasp of, you know, my position in this community because, you know, when you have, you know, when you start pointing things like this out and you have people of color fighting you, you know, about some of the positions that you're taking, and it's okay to be challenged and critiqued, but, you know, in, in some cases I find it interesting that there are some people that, do not believe or, you know, want to critique and challenge what we're saying until it happens to them. Right. Then all of a sudden, now they're conscious. And I just you think know, that's I bullshit. Get, I had Go ahead. To get a new, I had to get a new computer last week, right? So for the first time, I started using my phone. I don't know what it is, but I could, I was, I could you know, see what everybody was writing, you know, and everything more better. And um, it, it just really freaked the way what what comes out of people's mouths, well, what they write down, you know. 
And um, it's it's this guy. I really think he's white, but he calls it. You know, he he don't you know have a picture up you know and everything. Black truth or something like that. He calls, and he be saying some ugly things about women. You know about what they should do this and they, and you got women that's agreeing with it. You you still got women who actually believe that men are better than them. And right, they, and, 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 and that goes back know. to education, and that's why we do the shows on feminism, why we talk about sexism as much so as mad. we do when we go as in-depth as we do, because, again, it's a mindset. And if you've been indoctrinated all your life, especially if you've been indoctrinated with different, you know, religions, if you will, you're taught that the man is the head of the household. And, you know, again, you with the misogynist. without you. Yeah, you know, the misogynistic uh, you know. So, um, images, you know, in the news. And, you know, it's, it's just it's, it's an uphill battle, but we have to fight it. You have to fight it. You have to challenge it. And, you know, in regards to the individual that you're talking about, I mean, you can either unfriend them or hide their comments. You can block them so that you won't have to see it. But, you know, there are a lot of people out there, in men and women, that are of that mindset, and it's because of that's what they've been indoctrinated with. And, you know, I'm right there with you. You know, I'm a little disheartened when I see women agreeing with that, and in some cases some women are worse than the men that are speaking. I so, yes. Exactly. Exactly. Now, um, and speaking of and speaking of horrible men, can, oh. <laughs> can we talk about GCJ <laughs> and that tweet that he had or those tweets he had the <laughs> other day? About <laughs> about twerking for for tuition because that that got under my skin and I was gonna write something about it but he took the tweets down so like now I feel like it's kind of a moot point but I could not believe that there were some people who I know consider themselves sex positive feminists you know but emphasis on feminists you know supporting it you know, supporting that scholarship. And I'm like, you know, if you just called it a contest, I don't think I'd have a problem with that. But for something like that to represent itself as a scholarship kind of bothered me. Because unless you're getting a degree in twerking, there's really no reason that there should be a scholarship <laughs> for twerking. Twerkology. Yeah. 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 Where do you study, where do you study twerkology? You study it at Columbia? Do you study it? Do you study it, Xavier? Do you, do you well, go to you Bethune Cookman? Here you go. I'm, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something unorthodox, and I really don't give a shit. But you know, what I find interesting is when a certain, you know, genre or a certain type of, you know, uh, yeah, we'll just stick with genre, comes out of poor communities of color. Initially, it's derided, it's chastised, it's scolded, all of that. And then when mainstream, namely white people, start to indulge in that behavior, then it becomes more acceptable, like my baby daddy, yeah. that type of thing. Now it's the reality show TV, and then we had Bristol Palin and all of that. And to be honest with you, I would not be surprised if twerk in twerkology becomes a course at some Ivy League college. I would not be surprised. You know, I mean, eventually, I mean, all things eventually, you know what I mean? But I wouldn't be surprised. But 
Um, but I think my issue with it is is that, you know, okay, so we kind of already know what GCJ thinks about women. You know what I mean? Right. And it's not good. You know what I mean? And he, and, you know, we know that, for example, that he, you know, other people say no to ratchet pussy, but GCJ can't. You know what I mean? So if he's right. already kind of telling you sort of the sorts of things that he thinks about women who who are, say, in the strip club, women who, you know, dance and twerk for him. So if those women are ratchet, which, you know, we know is not a positive term in any sense of the word, um, you know, what is he trying to make of these, you know, college-bound young women, you know, exactly. Is he is exactly. is he trying to make them ratchet too? Is he is he? It seems to me that he's using his his power, his his economic power, um, uh-huh. to you know to um, entertain himself in a very misogynistic way. You know, like look, exactly. I'm taking these I'm taking these educated young women and I'm making them you know twerk for my enjoyment. You know, and I mean, exactly. and there's nothing. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with twerking per se it's that it's just the, it's just the guys under which it's being done you know what i mean right and, and, and i agree with you wholeheartedly with that and then we gotta also remember there are some men of the mindset that it doesn't matter you know you you can be you know um, justice ginsburg and they still have the mindset that you're some type of bitch or whore you know, and and it doesn't matter who you are, what you've achieved, what your you know credentials are or are not. It doesn't matter. They have that misogynistic viewpoint, and they feel that all women are beneath them. And there are quite a few men that are of that mindset. So with him, you know, you know, trying to lure in college age women or college educated women, and basically he's trying to show, see, I can even make. You know the you know the creme de la creme, if you will, twerk for me because I get it like that, and that's part right. of that misogynistic mindset, and it's horrible. Right. At the end of the day, I can I can buy any woman that I want. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. I can make any woman do what I want as long as I. So how you know, do you feel about that? Flash a little green. Right. Obviously. Obviously. You know, it's, it's it shows it shows that they have stupid. problems with you know not only these other women but the way that they view all women, including their mothers. So. Exactly. And it, and it, and actually it's really interesting that you say that, um, Deborah, because there's a really good article that I read um, by, on a blog um, by Nova, uh, Nova Giovanni, and he was saying that um, he thinks, he has to think that, some, that sometimes when he sees men, you know, making comments like, you know, women shouldn't wear wedges or women shouldn't, where their hair straightened or what have you, when they're making these critiques that have nothing to do with anything, um, that it has to be something that he calls vagina envy, which isn't so much vagina envy, but, um, you know, when you look at a lot of these men who, who do this, they tend to be men who live off of their mothers or off of, you know, significant others, you know, or, or what have you. And so they feel that because they, these women have, an economic advantage over them um, that, you know, they resent them, they come to resent them, but they can't voice their resentment towards those particular women, so they take it out on other women. Um, And so you'll see them, you know, talking about how black women are all hoes and they're untrustworthy or they're all gold gold diggers or what Mm -hmm. have you, you know? Exactly. 
exactly, exactly. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we have to educate these young people. And, again, in order for us to be able to move on and get beyond this, we have to continue talking to people and talking to the people and educating them and encouraging them. And, you know, it's going to take some time, you know, because I know, there are some people out there that are saying, well, it didn't take me long. Well, actually, it probably did. You were probably already having some doubts and questioning some things in your mind, but it wasn't until you saw, you know, there were quite a few other people questioning things and challenging those things, and then a few of us were brave enough to come out. I mean, I've received emails from people that stated that they didn't come out of, you know, religion until they saw that we were out of religion. There are a lot of atheists that go to church. But, I mean, you know, we have to continue. We have to educate people. We have to educate them, educate them, and encourage them. And that's why it's important that we come out. But going back to, you know, what, you know, Raina was stating right there, it's important that we attack these issues and give examples, and especially when we have real-life examples and show them why, what he's doing is misguided and inappropriate by, you know, having these young women, you know, twerk for his enjoyment and his pleasure for college because basically, you know, Ray and I, we've talked about this, if he has these women submitting videos and the videos become the property of his production company, if you will, only one woman is going to win the $50,000. But let's say he gets, you know, 1,500 tapes. There are 1,499 women that did not win the money. What are they going to do with the the video that is now their property? They can sell it. They can cut it up. They can create websites. They can do anything. He's going to make that 50 grand back in one day. Right. Absolutely, and and not only that, but he's gonna make he's gonna make a lot of money even off of the woman who won the 50 grand because there's no way that she's gonna win 50 grand and they're not gonna do anything with the tape. Exactly. You know what I mean? Or that they're not going to expect her to perform somewhere. You know what I mean? Exactly. So it's just, it's just another. It's just, it's just about exploitation, basically. And and I was telling someone said, well, you don't have, do you have a problem with women stripping, you know, to to pay for college? And I said, no. I said that strip clubs don't advertise for G-string scholars. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no strip club across the country that says if you got a 3.5 and you can make your booty bounce. You can't just pull. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? But the real exactly. truth is, mm-hmm. well, the real truth is, it'll be five years from now, and, and this fella, whoever he is, because I don't know who y'all talk about, but um, I'm not like that. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, like you don't know what will happen is his yet. ass will be broke. He'll be broken at MC Hammer, and, yeah. and he'll be wishing he had some of that ass she can pay money back. You know what I mean? So, exactly. I mean, Kim and I were talking. Kim and I were talking, and I was and I was telling someone at work at work this, you know, that it was, um, you know, one of the reasons that it bothered me, and, and part of why I find it sexist is because there is no, there is never going to be a scholarship like that for men ever. You know mm. what I mean? And and you and, like and, a... <laughs> and Juicy J would never allow, you know, men to come into that twerking competition. And we know that there are some some men out there who can twerk better than women. And oh, Kim was saying, and Kim 
and Kim was saying and Kim was saying that if 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 it ever did go down that we should we should promote and encourage uh you know trans women and and gay men or or men in general who can twerk to get involved in the car, you know to submit their tapes because why not you know, if, oh, yeah. if it's only about if it's only about the art of twerking, then it shouldn't matter if That's it's right. a woman's ass or if it's a man's ass, exactly. or if it's a trans exactly. woman. But you're not talking about the you real know? issue. The real issue. <laughs> the real issue here is that college costs so much that shaking your ass to get into school sounds like a good idea. That's the problem. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah. That's, that's the Let's other be part. real here, that's right? I mean. That's the other part that's easy and exclusive about it right. is, is that knowing right. how ex- how expensive college is, he's going to make you do this thing for his sexual enjoyment or for the sexual enjoyment of other people that he can, you know, bank on, you know, exactly. so that you can so that he but can do anything. But what would be anything? You know what I mean? He can say anything. He can say, play with my left nut and I'll pay for a couple classes. I mean, he can do anything if he wanted to. I mean, well, I mean it's it just doesn't like, matter what he's doing. Like, it's just like those those millionaires um, who've paid for, you know, women's virginities. You know what I mean? Right. Well, how about this? Uh, last night I said there's a lot of these reality shows that are really just um, taking advantage of and picking on the poor, okay? And That's right. I, I, and how long is it before there's a show just called Broke Motherfucker and you get five contestants and they all drink a gallon of water and the last one to pee gets fifty dollars. I mean, why wouldn't you just start doing shit like that? And you know what? Well, they do that already. <laughs> they people yeah. and people would watch. Yeah. And people exactly. would watch. They would. Exactly. Seriously. Exactly. I mean, so the the key the point of this to me is um, last night I asked the crowd. I said, uh, "How much to you is uh, how much does somebody have to make a year for them to be middle class?" I'm asking. Ladies on the phone right now. How much? Well, it depends uh, on how many children they have. It's a, if it's a married couple, yeah, exactly. So you know, pick a number. Forty thousand, forty thousand dollars, right? Forty or fifty thousand. Over by the purse, it's probably about thirty-eight thousand dollars purse. It can't be forty. College costs twenty-seven thousand dollars a year, right? So it can't be yeah, forty. Right? Okay. That's true. Right, so sure. you got to be able to get your kids 000. to go to school, huh? Mm-hmm. I said twenty-two thousand. So, okay, so who? How much money do you have to have to be able to um, get a twenty-two thousand loan on the ease for your kids to go to school? How much you need to make a year for that? You see what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Cold. Yeah. And so, exactly. Uh, you might uh, have to shake it to, yeah. so you can yeah. make it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and and look and look and this is and this and I just want to say this one thing because I'm not putting down people who strip for a living or strip to make it through college or or even right. engage in prostitution because I'm not anti those things of you know in and well, of themselves provided well yeah provided that the people involved are consenting and that they're not working under you know unsafe or un, you know or bad conditions so right. let's put that out there. It's not that we're just mm-hmm. against those things. You can do that. If you want to strip and you want to be a stripper until you retire, that is fine by me. As long as you're making your money and nobody's cheating you and no one's, you know, putting you in an unsafe place. 
it's all good. Right, because, I mean, yeah, you know, definitely, you know, we're sex positive, and, you know, as long as no one is, you know, coercing you or um, basically, you know, um, putting you under duress to do those things, because truth be told, you know, there are a lot of people with fetishes out there. You know, you have some seniors stripping. There's money. They make a lot of money. You have big girls out there stripping. They make the most. Believe it or not. But anyway, I'm just, you know, I digress. Um, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no matter what you look like, somebody wants to look at your holes. Oh, my exactly. goodness. Exactly. Oh, you know. But it's true. But but it's just awful that you that um, school would cost so much that you would have to yeah. shell, sell your body to get some books. How ugly is that? Oh, it, it just—it shows—it shows who we are. In, 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 I mean, in, I don't know. Uh, I think. A, I think. I think that. I think that, yeah, there's different defend? ways of looking at it. No, defend? I'm going to say that. No, I'm going to say there's different ways of looking at it because I mean we do a lot of things that we don't necessarily like to do in order to put a roof over our heads and feed ourselves. So you know, some people are working at you know, um, you know, managing a McDonald's that they really don't want to work at to do all of that. So I'm just saying that there are things that people can do. I'm not, I'm not going to put down someone opting or you know, opting as long as they opted to opting right. to strip or opting to be a prostitute to take care of those things. You do what you, you do what you have to do as long as you're, you're, you're not being coerced and you're safe. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly, exactly. And on that note, we're done. <laughs> but, you know, he took it down, so, you know, we'll, we'll yeah. keep you guys posted if he decides I'm sure to... someone will try this again. Exactly. Oh, yeah, someone will try it again. And, you know, um, life goes on. You know, I wish everybody the best in that particular situation. And the young women that, you know, tying in all these different points, the young women that, you know, are going to twerk to get the money to go to college, you know, I wish them the best, but Travis is correct. The price of education is way too high. And, you know, I find it interesting that, you know, the administration, you know, basically helped to lower the interest rates. And even with this sequestration, you know, the interest rates, you know, remain the same. They made sure that it didn't go up. But no one is talking about these universities and how the tuition has gone up two, three, four, five hundred percent. You know, why aren't they talking about that particular issue? Why is, you know, getting an education, you know, almost unattainable for the average person, for the average American? It seems as though you know, education is only going to be afforded to those that have money. And, exactly. You know, it's, all, it's, it's a trick, Kim. It's a trick. Yeah. Because um, somebody, uh, I think uh, we were talking about on Funny to the Moon and uh, said that college, in a lot of ways, is just so some poor kids get a chance to rub elbows with the rich kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Uh, it's 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 unfortunate. It's just you know a lot. It's, it's unfortunate, but you know that's the reason why they're encouraging people to go to junior colleges and they have different programs out there. Um, as far as like you know um, college loan repayment, they've changed a lot of the guidelines. I think it's like ten percent now 
um, 10% of your either your net or your gross income. They can't exceed that, so they've made some changes. And for those of you that didn't know that, that information is available. I, I've posted it. was a while. It's been at least six, seven months since I posted it. But go out there and look around, and you can actually get the um, terms of your loan changed. And, you know, for those that are struggling and underwater and having a hard time paying their college loans back, they are readjusting that. And it takes a couple of months, two, three months to get that in place, but at least it'll get done. So it's just it's been interesting. It's been, you know, a real interesting week. Um, and what's been happening. They don't even get said, 10% of your money, Kim? Is that what you said? 10%? Yeah, you tied it. Okay, exactly. That was my point. What, what does that shit sound like? Exactly. It's a trick. It sounds like some other trick. We can't pretend like it don't sound like that. Yeah, exactly. We can't pretend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can't pretend yeah, like um, you can't pretend like almost every book should not be uh, could not be uh, gotten on over the internet through a digital file. We can't pretend that. Right. Exactly. We can't pretend like. Like um, many classes could be done over the web for all to see. Mm-hmm. We can't pretend that. We can't pretend. No. And we can't pretend like Ingersoll didn't say, "Colleges polish pebbles and dim diamonds." Right. Raina is 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 a dim diamond. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. There you go. So yeah, you know, it's it's just it's 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 just been wild. It, it really has been. But um, you know, we're gonna take it back a little bit. We're gonna bring it back full circle. I'm gonna go back to the march on Washington, and you know, this is the 50th anniversary, and you know what Kim? it represents. Yes, dear. Can I tell you what I, my thoughts about the March on Washington and jump off? Because we're going to do a funny to the moment at 1 o'clock. Um, oh, okay. I was stuck in a hotel yesterday, and I was watching the March on Washington. I got up at 5 o'clock in the morning to watch the speakers. I thought it was great for one particular reason, is that the fact that they kept cutting everybody off after two minutes. Did you, were you watching that part? When they were, when they were yeah, in the midst yeah. and, and they turned the music on your ass? The best yeah, yeah. part about that was they couldn't do any religious flourishing, okay? They had to exactly. stick to the facts, say the meat of what they wanted to say, and they had to jump off. Otherwise, yeah, they would have been, exactly. God, adult, you know, and all that kind of, of did, stuff. Some and, of them did. Some of them did. Some of them got a little bit in. Yeah. Some of people got an extra yeah, amount of time. But, yeah, but, but they turned the music on on Jesse, and they did mention LGBT and women's rights a whole bunch. I, I watched from 5 o'clock in the morning uh, Pacific time until about 11. I got up uh, on purpose. They did. After You're right. They did. I was, just, I was speaking on the crowds when I said that. Oh, no, the crowds are going to be out of the yard. But, you got, but that's religion again, right? So, exactly. Um, but that's still – that's our um, – we had to figure out how to undo that in, in, in a smooth way because it was it was done in a smooth way, and it really once again it's about being. Um, well, I, I don't hate the people who are tricked. I hate the trick and the tricksters. Okay, and one of the meanest tricks that was ever played on black folks. My father told me that in Pennsylvania, before the Civil War, if you were black, 
and you said you were a Christian, you could be free. But if you weren't exactly. a Christian, you had to still be a slave. We just forgot why we were doing that shit. Exactly. And exactly, we've talked about that. You know, the slaves were promised if they converted to Christianity, they would be free, and they freed a few of them, but then they stopped. And I believe it was the Treaty of Paris, because George Washington and all of this. So, I mean, um, you have to go back into the history and read and find out and see how all of that came about. And then they turned around and tricked them again and told them if they fought in the war, then they would be free. And they reneged yep. on that as well. So, yeah, we have to go back the, and look at the history. The Harlem Hellcats, uh-huh. Kim. The Harlem Hellcats yeah. were the, mm-hmm. the black regiment in uh, World War One. That right. uh, the Harlem Hellcats was considered the baddest infantry, and it was a story about one of the privates who are guys who um, their thing was that nobody in their unit would ever get captured by enemy soldiers, and the enemy soldiers had captured a dude and um, had to capture one, had killed a bunch, but one of the brothers who had been hit with like a bunch of bullets. He went back and kicked 12 of the enemy's uh, ass and got back the guy who they had captured. It was, a, it, was a, uh, it was this thing about it. He's a Harlem Hellcat. Came back here. We're talking about like in the 19, early 1900s. Come right. back here, and it's another, you know, 40, 50 yeah. years if you can ride a bus in peace. Come on, man. Exactly. You know, going back to Jim Crow and the black code and reconstruction and all of that, that's why we tell people to go back and learn the history and understand because, you know, there is a method to the madness, if you will. But, yeah, and you're right, you know, but I was going to say, you know, 50 years later, here we go, 50 years later celebrating the March on Washington and communities of color are not in any better shape. We're, you know, we're still, we still have economic and educational, you know, disparities and disadvantages. In some cases, our communities are in worse shape. Now, there have been some strides. We've made some advances in, 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 in certain areas. You know, there are more college graduates. There are more high school graduates, all of that. But I guess my question is, what's the purpose of graduating from high school and college when you still can't find a job? Or you have your EDD and you're managing a McDonald's, you yeah. know. So if you, you can know, manage a McDonald's with an EDD, because you know having an exactly. advanced degree might will put you out of a lot of those jobs, you know. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. You're right. Say, oh, you ain't gonna be around here that much that, that long. You're not gonna be committed to the company because as soon as you mm-hmm. got a chance, bye-bye. Right, exactly, exactly, exactly. So this is why, you know, I feel that we should start looking more at, you know, business ownership, you know, being entrepreneurs, you know, things of that, inventors, you know. It's important that, you know, we start looking at things from a different perspective and getting out here. But I understand when you're trying to feed your family, you know, you're not trying to hear any of this other bullshit. You're just trying to find you a gig that will put some money in your pocket so that you can feed your family, have a little gas in the car, and a little food so you won't starve at lunch. I understand. 
And that's one of the things that we've been, you know, talking about. I always got to bring it back full circle to the skeptic and free thought community. Look, you know, I, I love science. I love math. I mean, hell, that's what I majored in in college. You know, I'm very versed in it, if you will. However, at the end of the day, when you're looking at these communities of color and you're trying to reach out to them, they don't give no shit about your science and your math when they're starving. When right. they have to catch buses in a train and a, in a taxi to go get groceries because they live in a food desert. When they're trying right. to figure out how they're to pay for their daycare because the sequestration, 75,000 children have lost access to Head Start. You know, right. so when they're trying to figure out how to pull their lives together, they don't give right. no shit about your evolutionary biology. They don't give no shit. Shit about your damn astronomy and you know why the blue why the moon was blue this past when they don't care you know they're trying to live their lives they're trying to find you know better ways to take care of their family and take care of themselves and this is why social justice activism is extremely important this is why it's important that we reach out to the community there's a reason why you have a lot of agnostics and atheists that are still going to church because some of the these churches, even though, you know, sometimes we come down on religious people, some of these churches are helping. That was the purpose of the church. Some are not helping at all, but there are some that are. There are some that, you know, provide daycare service. There are some that has the food pantry. They do the food giveaways. There are some that provide lunch and meals during the summer for the kids. Because you have to remember, some of these kids, especially if they have parents that are destitute or that may have some type of addiction issues, sometimes the breakfast and lunch they get at school are the only meals that they get. You have to understand and you have to look at the big picture. There's more to life for some of us, and especially if you're trying to appeal to communities of color, you need to understand who and what you're dealing with. And if you hold yourselves higher to a higher standard and to a higher standard of excellence than, you know, religious people, then why the fuck aren't we doing anything? We're way behind, way behind. And going back to some of the issues, and in particular the Voting Rights Act, you know, with the sections that were struck down by the Supreme Court, I still have yet to see any major organization spit one word out about that. And that affects more than people of color. It affects students. It affects senior citizens. It affects disabled people. Come on, where are your priorities? Or is it just me? Is it me? I think it's me. You know, no, and, and this, is why, you know, this is why I'm questioning, you know, do I even want to be remain a part of this community? Because, you know, what I'm seeing now is all bent on a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. And we got to do better. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's reasonable to tackle all of, or it's reasonable to advocate for all of those positions. But unfortunately, we have we don't have many allies. It seems like in this community, you know, I mean, we can, yeah. we could, we could support, um, you know, better education and emphasize um, improved math, science, and you know, reading, um, you mm-hmm. know, curriculum. You know what I mean? We can tackle all of those things. We can also, as a part of that, talk about school breakfast programs and Head Start. You know, we can do those things. But that takes a commitment that a lot of these 
people aren't willing to make because they're not willing to give up their white privilege to do so. Exactly, but you know what? And I got to flip it to the other side as well because, you know, from dealing with different people in this community, even with some of the people of color, and yes, I'm getting ready to talk about your ass right now, there's a lot of apathy in this community. You hear, I hear a lot of rhetoric. People are always talking about, oh, we need to do this, we need to do that. And when we call on you to assist us in what we're doing, crickets and tumbleweeds can't find no damn body. But let's mm-hmm. say we're having a party and we're going to have a wet T-shirt contest or a twerking contest. Everybody and their grandma show up. What kind of shit is that? Did somebody say <laughs> wet T-shirt? So Did you say wet T-shirt? You know, and it's... it's yeah, yeah, wet T-shirts, whatever the fuck. Where? You know, I don't know. I don't Where? party, so I think I'm a little dated here. But, <laughs> you know, it's all, you know. Well, you, gonna, you know what, Travis, Travis, when we have the wet T-shirt contest, we're going to put you out front. So you're going you to be yeah. the first. You're right. Player. I got, hey, 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 I gained 60 pounds, and I got some, I got, I got some, 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 some B-plus cups over here. <laughs> <laughs> All right now. We're gonna okay, have the we're gonna have the world's we're gonna have the world's first um first integrated fully fully gender integrated wet t shirt contest. There you go. Right. There you go. Could I just I'm have saying, could I just be uh oh, could you just oh. like soak my jock strap? Oh, no. Oh no. I know I know oh, nothing no. else to but um, no, uh, but I'm just saying, you know, it's going to take some work from all of us, not just, you know, our white allies, but also in the black community, you know, yeah. the, you know, the 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 the, not the free thinkers, the non-believers, the atheists, the humanists, the skeptics in the black community. We got to step up. Sorry, sorry to bust that bubble, but we got to right. step up. There's more to life than partying and drinking and you know, sex parties and all that bullshit. It's more to life than that. It really is. Uh, and, right. you know, with some of these same people, I'll hear the rhetoric, oh, we have to do better, or pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I've heard some of that same rhetoric from black atheists talking about the black community, but yet these same people aren't trying to do anything to make the situation better. In some cases, they're making the situation worse. But, of course, yeah. they're so self-absorbed that they don't realize that some of the things that they're doing and that they're advocating for is a detriment but, mm. but that's not how to see it, and and and, and I understand that, and you know, be well. well. Let's, I mean, and I you know, to... one of the things that you can say to counter anyone who makes that fucking ridiculous bootstrap argument is to remind them at seven twenty-five an hour that it takes two to three days to actually earn the boots, let alone the bootstraps. You know, what I mean? exactly. so exactly. there you go. There you go. Keep it real. Exactly. And, you know, the whole thing is, you know, we have to do better collectively. We have to get out here and we have to start working in the community as a whole, the community at large. And, you know, time for excuses are over. It's over because time is winding up. And like I said, in a couple of weeks we're going to, you know, uh, talk about the politics of the God principle or the politics of the God concept. And basically, you know, again, you know, is African-American atheism a cause for hope? Will we be the ones to liberate communities of color? We can, slowly yeah. but surely, one person at a time. It can be yeah. done. It can be done. But are you willing to do the hard work? See, that's the problem. There's a lot of people out here that don't want to work. Sorry, Bubba, you got to work. 
And the other thing, and the other thing is like, are you also willing to put aside your ill feelings towards religious belief or or towards the God concept in order to accept people who are progressive religious people? You know what I mean? Exactly. Because we're going to exactly. need them. We can't, you know, alienate them. You know, at, you know, because there's too much at stake. Exactly. We have to learn how to work within the parameters that are given to us. And in our community, because it's religious and spiritually based, and this goes beyond Christianity, there are other religions besides Christianity people, you know, we have to learn how to work with people and, again, play on each other's strengths. And, you know, in communities of color, Christianity has a stronghold. And so we have to learn how to work with the progressive liberal um, religious communities in order to get out here and utilize their bully pulpit in order to affect some positive change and have any type of impact on these communities of color. We're going to have to get beyond that. We're going to have to get beyond it, and we're going to have to start working together. Otherwise, it will be just sitting there like watching a dog chase his tail, just going in circles, circles and getting nowhere absolutely nowhere, and before I sit back and shoot you on that train going in a circle, I'll hop off because I don't have time for that. I have too many things going on in my life than to be sitting here playing footsies and not getting anything accomplished. I may as well go back to church. You know, I mean. No, no. I mean, but I'm saying it's the same thing. It's the same thing. You know, at least I'll get some good food and I'll have somewhere to go every damn week. You know what I mean? And, and you know, because of, you know, the type of knowledge base that I have, they'll pay me to do a bunch of things. You know, I can help them do some stuff. But that's something totally different. But we have to do better. We have to do better people. And, you know, life goes on. But, yeah, you know, like, you know, you know, Raina was stating there, we have to get beyond these bruised egos and these hurt feelings. And, you know, we're going to have to work together. We're going to have to work together eventually. And, you know, especially with the events that's happened in the past week, I hope a few people have learned their lessons. Because, you know, what's interesting what you put out has come right back full circle to you. Funny how that works, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So on that note, we are down to the last few minutes of the show. And so, again, next week we're going to do a repeat on Sunday. Uh, let me see. This week is the breakbeat with MC Brooks. That information should be going up soon. Then we'll have Mario and Emmeline, well, Em and Evil, on Friday. And then next Sunday is a repeat. And the Sunday after that, we'll talk about the politics of the God and spiritual concept there. And I've given you all some insight, but, you know, I want you all to think about this over the next couple of weeks. But um, is atheism an act of resistance to the political and power structure? Is the God concept a needed intellectual and political point of departure for grounding an oppressive sociopolitical system? And I want you guys to check out Michael Lackey's book, African American Atheist and Political Liberation. It's a study of the sociocultural dynamics of faith. And I really want you to get through the first chapter, in which is talking about African American atheism, a cause for hope. 
because that's basically the premise of that particular show. So kind of give you a heads up as to what we'll be talking about. We'll be defining humanity. We'll be defining what's subhuman, inferior, non-human, who's considered part of those groups, how did they become part of those groups in that category and why. We'll talk about the us versus them mentality. We'll talk about illusory superiority. Just to kind of give you a heads up, talking about how religion justifies slavery, how it justifies sexism, pedophilia, incest, etc. And we'll be defining these things and giving examples. So on that note, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Travis. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you, Raina. Thank you, everybody in the chat room, everybody listening live as well as the archives. Check out our archives on White on White Crime. Check out our archives on Uncle Ruckus, Aunt Jemima, Uncle Tom's, all of that. You know, we have a myriad of archived shows, and again, you have Raina with her RSS feed, we have Carl and Alfred, we have Vita with On Blast with Vita Star, so, you know, you have plenty to choose from, and there is more to come. Like I said, it's going to be an exciting year. We have some announcements coming up in the next couple of weeks. We're finalizing a couple of things, and it should be extremely exciting, you know, the end of the year. We're going to go out with a bang. So I am so looking forward to it. Missed you guys last week. Love you much. And we're out. Have a lovely day, everybody. Bye. Take it easy, Kim. Take it easy. All right.